Do you know what the number one best way is to elevate your fly fishing skills this year? Do you know the one thing that will flatten the learning curve so you can have exponential success this year while on the water? And do you know what you should be asking a guide to verify they are right for you? Today, we've got Guidebook Co. on the podcast to give their biggest tips on finding the right guide for your next trip. This is the Wet Fly Swing podcast where I show you the best places to travel to for fly fishing, how to find the best resources and tools to prepare for this big trip, and how you can give back to the fish species you love. Hey, I'm Dave, host of the Wet Fly Swing podcast. I've been fishing and fly fishing since I was a kid. I grew up around a fly shop and have created one of the largest podcasts in this country. I've also interviewed more of the greatest fly anglers than just about anyone in the world. Today, Stuart Jordan and Ben Robertson are here on the podcast to walk us through the steps of finding a great guide. You'll find out why excitement level matters, how organization factors into all this, and then how you can balance expectations and to understand what that means. And the biggest question of all, how many fish will I catch on this trip? Plus, we discover the three big questions that you can ask a guide to assure they are the right person for the job. This is definitely the biggest tip we've heard over the years on the podcast. Get a guide. It's going to save you time and money in the long term. We cover it all today. Here we go. Ben Robertson and Stuart Jordan from guidebookco.com. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Dave. How are you doing? Great. Great. Yeah. Awesome to put this together for you guys. I think um, I think the product you guys have is, uh, you know, I guess product service. Uh, it, it's amazing. I think that a challenge a lot of people have is, you know, choosing a guide. I think we've talked a lot about this with many, I mean, over 600 episodes now. And a lot of, I've heard this a lot. We're like, what is the one thing you can do to have a better experience? A lot of people say, get a guide, you know, for your first time, because the challenge is, is like, if you don't have a guide, you learn on your own. And that's great too, but it takes, it can take years. So I think you guys provide a really awesome, you know, product here we're going to talk about. But before we get into the kind of the, um, you know, the guidebook and everything, I want to start with you guys real quick. Uh, just take us back, you know, maybe Stuart, we'll start with you. Let's just hear a quick snippet about who you are, where you're from, and kind of uh, how you got into fly fishing story real quick. Yeah, Stuart here. I am from Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised here. And how I got into fly fishing probably goes like way back further than that. Uh, really how I got into the outdoors and the outdoors kind of opened up at one point into fly fishing. So, you know, I grew up in a family, Kentucky, you can imagine outdoor family, fishing, hunting, all that stuff. Uh, and I really got to go on my first hunting trip with my dad when I was probably in like, I don't know, sixth grade, I'm guessing. And we went out and went deer hunting, uh, out in Western Kentucky. And that morning we got out there in the dark and sat in a field, a uh, cornfield, uh, looking up at the stars and there was a meteor shower going on, which was super cool. This meteor shower was just lighting the entire sky up like fireworks. It was one of the biggest ones, I don't know, in the last hundred years and literally lighting the field up like daylight. And it was kind of in that moment that I think I realized how much I loved the outdoors and how much cool stuff there was to go see and explore. Uh, and I really kind of got into it from there. And then as I got older, my family was also big into fishing. My younger brother got into fly fishing at one point and, uh, he called me one day and said, Hey, I'm going to go out with our uncle, uh, Paul out to Wyoming and we're going to go on a fly fishing trip. You want to go with us? And I'd never been before I've been to Wyoming, never been fly fishing, but knew that it was an awesome place and I wanted to go experience it. So 
he helped me figure out what kind of rod to buy. I got a, a five weight TFO and uh, got out there and he kind of taught me and I've learned through uh, the School of Hard Knocks on how to cast it in the first day. I caught my first little tiny cutthroat, which was awesome. And I've been ever since. Yeah. And, and Kentucky, uh, well, well, we'll get into this a little bit on your kind of the growing up in Kentucky and some of the species there, but let's move to Ben uh, really quick. Why don't you give us, Ben, your your heads up, you know, how you got into it and then we'll bring into uh, the guidebook. I grew up in Kentucky as well. Uh, started deer hunting when I was 10, a lot like Stuart and fished at kind of lakes and ponds and stuff like that growing up, but always wanted to try fly fishing and never just really never had the opportunity until I grew up and, and went to college. Um, I actually got married my first year of college mm. and my wife and I got into fly fishing together. She's, she's more talented than, than Stuart or I put together probably. So, um, she and I kind of bopped around all over the country when we, when we first got married and, and really are still doing that when we're able to, but fishing just every piece of water we could find and meeting people in the fishing world and meeting guides. And, and when we could save up enough fishing with guides, which was an incredible experience. And eventually I became a guide, um, bought a drift boat and, and started guiding on the Cumberland river here in Kentucky. And because that's really rural river, um, a lot of times I'm teaching brand new fishermen how to, how to catch their first trout. I'm helping them land that first trout, taking those pictures and really capturing that joy of, of your first fish on the fly rod. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had that experience. Um, and that's really what, what I love about guiding. Um, but that experience as a guide and meeting all of those guides and, and meeting all of those folks in the industry is, is really what ultimately led me to guidebook as well. There you go. There you go. Perfect segue. So, and it's interesting because, you know, Kentucky, I mean, I'm sure we've had some people on the podcast from the area, but we've done podcasts like in a lot of the states around Tennessee, you know, we're heading to Virginia in May, Ohio, we've been a lot. And, um, you know, even Indiana, what, what is Kentucky? It seems like it's right in the middle of all those states. Is it unique or different from any of the other ones I mentioned? Or, you know, like, how is it different, say, than any of the other states in that area? Well, in some ways, what you just described is Kentucky's real, real value to the fly fishermen. We can travel, you know, to 12 or 14 states within six hours of us, something like that. So we're able to get in the car and drive to a whole lot of really awesome fly fishing destinations, but Kentucky itself also has some gems that a lot of people maybe don't know about. It's one of the best places in the, in the Southeast to go for smallmouth. And Stuart could probably talk a lot more about that. He kind of fell in love last year with, with the smallmouth around here, but you know, that I feel like a smallmouth is just a, a real angler's fish. You know, they, yeah. they fight hard. They, they jump sometimes they dig, they'll run forever. They're just a lot of fun. And we have them kind of everywhere in this state. And then the Cumberland river is actually a really, really great trout fishery that a lot of people don't know about. It's a tailwater under Wolf Creek dam. And for 16 miles under that dam, you can catch trout almost year round. We kind of have to take two months off in the winter for the, the generation schedule. But other than that, I mean, we've got reproducing fish and, and most days I take clients out, we see at least one over 20 inches. Oh, wow. That's kind of hard to eat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, it's got tons of resources. And, and I think we will talk a little about today, if we have time, some of the more of the fishing and opportunities there. But let's hear about, I want to hear about the guidebook, like um, maybe talk about how this thing came to be, because I think the product is really something that, that's a big need out there. But let's talk about that. And then we'll get into some tips on for people to kind of select a guide. 
Sure thing. I mentioned before, I'm a guide on the Cumberland River and a few summers ago, I just had one of those summers where it, and any of your guides listening might relate, but it just felt like I was hitting red lights at every turn. Missed a couple of trips because I was out on the water and couldn't get to the booking in time before they booked someone else. Had to chase down a few payments, people that wanted to use a check or cash or Venmo, and it just sometimes doesn't line up perfectly. And then kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, I had a client named Eric one day at a a banner day on the water. We had a great time. And then he asked me where he could leave a review. And I just didn't have anywhere for him to do that. You can definitely set up your website to do that. But at the time I didn't have that going for me. And, And it just instilled in me kind of this feeling that something needed to be done. Um, I started thinking through a lot of those pain points and the pain points that a lot of the guides I know across the country um, are facing. And it just seemed, it seemed really necessary to come up with somewhere for all of that to happen in one place using tech. If you could handle payment and calendar and manage your messages and list yourself on a profile online, I thought it would just be very convenient. And so I called up Stuart, who was a buddy from church, who I knew was outdoorsy like me and a hard worker and potentially ready for something different in his career. And and I just said, look, I want to pick your brain. Let's sit down and talk about some of these things I'm thinking. Ben hit me like right at the right time too. Uh, I was down in Texas working in uh, the oil and gas industry on the environmental side, but uh, I had over the last probably seven, eight years, been on tons of guided fly fishing trips. Again, out in Wyoming on the Snake River, uh, a lot down in Florida, uh, tarpon fishing, uh, stuff like that, snook. And then uh, when he reached out to me, I had just got back from a trip down in Belize where we were doing tarpon, bonefish, and permit. And uh, on that trip, I was thinking to myself, like, man, what a like cool job. Uh, and this was like a bigger, more, a, a bigger excursion, multi-day on like a mothership with skiffs that took you out every day. And I was thinking like, man, what a cool job to be able to help people get set up on these trips and, and get to go on some of these trips and see some of these places yourself and get to help other people experience that. So when Ben called me to go grab a beer to sit down and talk and he kind of brought up the idea of guidebook, I was like, man, a week ago I was sitting on a boat and had this exact thought of how mm-hmm. awesome this would be to get into something like this. So it was just perfect timing. So we sat down and had a couple more beers probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, started putting together uh, kind of a business plan, thinking through what we wanted to do. And I was saying, hey, we should do a maybe a phone line. People can call and we'll help them find guides. And then it transformed into maybe a website. And then Ben was very persistent on, hey, long term, we need a mobile application that helps these guides run their businesses and helps anglers uh, that don't know these places go find awesome guides. Because probably as Ben said, there's a ton of awesome guides out there. And if they, I'm not saying this is every case, but a lot of these guides don't have the ability to like run a super professional website or stand up marketing campaigns or really get their name out there. So some of those awesome guides are almost unfindable unless you know someone that knows someone that says, hey, go book this guide. So we were really excited to um, be able to build a platform to both help them run their businesses and gain that visibility and handle that for them so they can really focus on what they do best. Awesome. You know, I think this is, like we said, this thing is a pretty awesome product, but let's talk about how, maybe talk about how it works and then maybe the top kind of features of what people are really coming or the pain points you guys are addressing here. 
on the most basic level, what guidebook does is it provides a place for guides today in fly fishing and conventional fishing to a little bit lesser extent, but we're open to that. Um, and then eventually in, in the whole outdoor sports world, hopefully any, anything that can be guided, it provides those guides, a place to build a profile, which in some ways functions like a little mini website, um, something they can send customers to, to get to know them a little bit. They can list their trips that can then be selected and booked by accessing the guides calendar that they keep up to date. And then once that trip is booked, they can message with the guide and talk about where they might be meeting up for the day or what they need to bring or what they can expect. And then the guide can also take payment through guidebook. And then at the end of the trip, they can get reviewed and tipped as well. So today it's it's a tool for, in those ways, helping them manage the back end of their business. Those pain points that I mentioned are are fairly covered through all of that. It allows them you know, the opportunity to get in front of clients that may not know about them otherwise. Stuart mentioned that a minute ago. In some ways, guidebook really lends itself to the kind of client who likes to to book everything for a trip online anyway. So they're going to Expedia to get their hotel and Turo to grab a car to use while they're on their trip. And then they they might book movie tickets or, or theme park tickets online as well. And then And then they want to book a little fly fishing excursion while they're there. That's in some ways, it's a really good platform for that kind of client, but it's also really good for, for the kind of client like me, like who I used to be at the beginning of my fly fishing journey, where I might be going to Montana or Colorado and, and just really not know anybody in the area gives me an opportunity to explore which guides are, are in the area I'm going to be in and, and kind of what I can expect on a day with them. And then, and then seamlessly book them in a way that feels safe and, and efficient for me as well. Nice. I think it's worth saying Dave that when we first had this idea we thought we had this brilliant idea that no one else was doing but we quickly realized there was a couple competitors out there that were more focused on conventional fishing more focused on the Gulf of Mexico uh, but other people doing what we were doing however one of the things that I'm proud of and I know that Ben's proud of that we kind of said out of the gate is hey we're building this for guides And we want this to be a benefit to guides. We don't want to be like these other guys that are taking 30% cuts off of trips that are using some shady marketing tactics and maybe trying to steal guides trips away from them and force them onto their platforms. We want guides to use this however they want to use it. We want it to be a benefit to them, whether that's a couple extra trips a month, helping with the schedule management or running all their trips through there. So So we are taking a small percentage off of the trips and we have to make money ourselves. A little bit of that does go into our pocket, but we are turning that money back around and spending it on marketing to, again, put these guides in front of people that are looking online for guides for fly fishing trips all around the world, uh, United States today and the world tomorrow. So, And kind of going off what Stuart just said, if you don't mind real quick, Dave. I'm lucky enough. Like I never, I never thought I'd have this opportunity with my, with my work life, but I get to talk to fly fishing guides every day. And one of the really cool things about that for me is hearing their stories and talking to them about, you know, I think I know what the pain points are, but a lot of times I hear something more nuanced that an individual guide and in a certain area of the country might be facing. And one of the things I hear quite a bit is, Hey man, like if I had hours every week to work on my website or my marketing or whatever, I definitely could accomplish it. Anybody can, but I just don't have those hours because I'm busy on the water for 10 or 12 hours a day. And so 
one of the things that we're really excited about with guidebook is is helping guides get that exposure that they need to you know by using those commissions that that Stuart mentioned to get them out there on the internet and market them and and market their area in a really cool way that's going to drive them business as much business as they want as Stuart said yeah no this is great i think that the question that comes up to me, the first question is like on the choosing the guides, right? Because you've got guides all over the country and I'm curious to see how you guys do it because I know we've been setting up some of our trips with like our school program and typically the way I do it is I, you know, I've interviewed a ton of people and I kind of think like who are the best guests we had on the show that really resonated, you know, with our listeners and maybe we heard the most about, right? And so I try to get the best of the best and then, and then we go reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to help us put together a school in your state? So that's kind of how we do it, you know, and we're totally, this is not the same. Obviously, ours is more, we do a few trips. You guys have a huge inventory. So how do you do it? How do you go about choosing the guides? And what would you tell a guide who's listening now who would like to get connected? You know, in a lot of ways, we want to be available for any serious guide who's qualified to get out there and take clients out in a safe way and a respectful way to both the people and the environment. And so we're not, we're not necessarily picking and choosing. If you've, if you've put in the hard work to become a guide who's qualified to do the job well and to represent not only guidebook well, but your sport well, and like the, our resources well, like that's really one of the most important parts. And then just treat other human beings well, then we're happy to, to explore ways that we can serve you and, and help you grow your business. But when I set out on a typical Tuesday morning, like this one to recruit a guide, a lot of times what I'm looking for is, is this somebody who honestly puts off like positive energy? Is it someone who seems like they want to grow their business? Is it someone who is excited about the sport still? And then, you know, at the end of the day, is it someone who seems like they could use our our help to one degree or another? You know, guidebook's not right for every guide. And, and we're humble enough to say that. Some guides have been in the business for 30 years and they're happy using pen and paper or an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of what they're doing and it works for them. And, and that's great. And some of them are my friends. So it's, Mm -hmm. we, we have no hard feelings about that whatsoever, but some guides are drowning in booking requests and their websites glitchy and they are running and gunning 10 hours a day, 250 days a year, trying to make things work. And what they really like need deep in their soul is somebody to help them out with that. And so we're happy to help. And then there's the, the guy who's been at it for two years and just can't fill up his book because he's in a saturated market like Craig Montana or the keys. And we're happy to get that guy some more exposure and, and throw some ads out there that, that might send customers to his area and hopefully get him some trips with some quality people and, and also be here to support him with any issues he might have along the way. Yeah. From a customer perspective, and I'll let Ben touch on this a little more too, because he's really in charge of the, the guide recruitment. But from a customer perspective, we have a, a pretty robust process of where we onboard the guides, I guess I should say. And uh, it's a manual process today, and Ben's kind of syncing with all the guide applications he has coming in, trying to keep up with them. And we're working on automating that right now. But Ben, do you want good guides on the platform? Yeah. So, you know, actually, it's something I'm really proud of. It's um, I've been able to to have a good conversation with every guide that's that's come across my desk so far and, and who's become part of the guidebook community. And we're like Stuart said, we're, we're doing some automation to make that more efficient, but we want, we want to always have that personal connection with our guides. At the end of the day, the guide client relationship is a very personal relationship. And it's something that we want to make sure we don't lose 
by having them come on to guidebook and book trips online. And, and so we're trying to kind of maintain that in our relationships with guides as well. And so usually the way that conversation goes is I just open it up and say, Hey man, like, just tell me about your, your guide career. Just tell me what you do. And a lot of times as they're telling me, as they're kind of recounting some of the things they're excited about, some of the things they're not so excited about, some of the things they might need help with. I'm able to then direct what can guidebook do do for them and kind of highlight those key points and shape the conversation that way. And then we usually move forward from there and and they might ask a few questions. But at the end of the conversation, I usually end up saying, all right, well, let me let me work on your profile for you and I'll get it to a good level and then I'll pass it off and you can change some pictures and some wording around and and we'll go from there, hopefully getting you some trips. I feel a little sorry for Ben, Dave, <laughs> because sit in the office every morning from about eight to five <laughs> and uh, Ben's on the phone all day long talking to guides and then a lot of guides don't get off the water until after five. So he goes and spends his evenings at home talking to guides too. But in that process, he is talking to every single guy. We've talked to every guide on the platform. He is asking for credentials, insurance information, uh, guide license as they're applicable uh, and anything else just to make sure we're working with people that need to be working in this Yep. No, this is great. And I think that totally answers my question. I think that, yeah, you guys have this thing that is basically great for guides. And then you have this process of talking to them and to verify. And I think that's important because, you know, it's easy talking on Zoom calls, whatever. You can learn a lot about somebody just because we do it a lot. I talk to a lot of people, obviously, and you can tell when it's not a good fit, you know. And so and then you have also the review process so people can review. And I'm sure you guys probably incentivize people to review. So you have that check on things. So if there is a you know, if somebody gets in there that maybe isn't working out, it's going to be obvious, right? Is, is that kind of a quick little summary on it? Yeah, for sure. But honestly, Dave, our approach is probably the opposite of that. We really covet those reviews and clients giving guides those reviews because for the most part, our guides are stellar and it just looks awesome when they have a bunch of five-star reviews from clients who just went fishing with them. So most of the time when we're asking people to fill out a review, it's because we want to highlight the great guides that we have on guidebook. Perfect. No, this is good. So well, I think we have a good, uh, you know, kind of a, a summary of, of what you guys do, but um, we'll talk a little more about this. But let's talk tips. So people listening now, you know, like we said, the number one tip I've heard for people is get a guide, especially if you're new or you're going to a new area. You know, even if it's for a day, that's the cool thing about it. You could be going to a trip for a week. And even if it's a one day for a guide, you pay that person, it's going to change your rest of the week. So what are you guys, you know, what are the tips you tell somebody, even if they're not going to pick up guidebook today, just on finding a guide? What, what are some of those tips you, you know, you would tell people listening now? My top three would be when I go looking for a guide to take me fishing, whether it's the scenario that you just said, where I'm trying to get to know an area so that then I can DIY fish for a few days. We've all done that. And that's a valuable, really valuable experience that you gain from fishing with a guide, um, not to go steal their spots, but just to, to get to know the fish and to get to know kind of the style of fishing in their area. I look for somebody who is still extremely excited about what they're doing, right? And that's probably true across many, many different industries. But the thing that I love about fishing with a guide is when they're in love with their fish and with their water. And I, I don't care if that guy's been doing it for two years or if or if that gal's been rowing for one year and, and that's a little bit of a bumpy ride. That doesn't bother me as much as when the person is jaded and tired of fishing and they wish they were doing something else. So I, I look for that positive energy and, and that person that really does their homework even after work to go because they just love, they love fishing. They love their area. They love taking people out. 
That's the first thing I would look for. The second thing is definitely probably the most important details. Are they safe? Are they respectful of the environment? You know what I mean? Are they respectful to my wife? I mentioned earlier, my wife, Molly is my favorite fishing buddy and, and we've been fishing together for, I don't know, 17 years now or something. And she's way better than me too. And you know, it matters whether a guide is respectful, um, to other human beings. And that could be folks that you encounter on the flat. It could be, you know, other people that you, you see on the trail, if you're walking Wade or, or your, your partner that you're taking along to fish with. And then the third one is just really organization and, and kind of management, project management almost. How did they handle the messaging with me or the emailing or the calling, or if it's on guidebook, obviously the messaging, how do they handle getting me those details? Does their profile look professional? Do they present themselves well? Do they seem ready to go out with me on any given day? I'm spending, you know, up to this point in my life, it's meant a lot to me to go out with a guide and it's, it is a sacrifice financially and, and time-wise and, and in every other way, I've got three kids. So if I'm going out with a guide, I want it to be an experience that is impactful and that, um, I remember and that I can see the value in whether or not we catch fish. Right. And so I want the guide treated that same way. Dave, I'd say the biggest thing for me when I'm looking for a guide is, is looking for someone that can kind of meet me where I'm at, I guess. Uh, I've been fishing for a while. I'm not a beginner anymore, but there's still a ton that I don't know. And, uh, whether it's new water or water that I've been DIY fishing all week or whatever it is, uh, being able to tell that guide, Hey, this is what I know, or this is what I want to get out of this experience or point out my mistakes and let me know what I'm doing wrong. I've never fished with a guide that has been, I'm sure some exist, but never fished with one person that's been a jerk. They love teaching. They love helping. And that's something I think is important for people that have never been with a guide before. I think that's important for them to know uh, because a lot of people might shy away from going on a professional fishing trip with a professional guide. But I mean, I've been out on them. I've had guides teach me how to cast. I've had guides teach me how to tie different knots. Just ask questions. Tell them what you're struggling with. And they're always happy to help you with those things. So that's what I'd say to keep in mind when you're looking for a guide. Yeah, perfect. No, and I think that's something I always, whenever I hear talk, think guide, I always go back to one of the guides I know really well, which is Jeff Liske up in, uh, you know, the great, he's just north of you guys, right? Up in Northern Ohio on the South shore of Lake Erie. And he is just that guide. I mean, when you're around him, I knew from day one, when we got on the water, he's just, he works like 24 seven, you know, and he does everything and he, you know, and he did just that. He kind of balanced expectations, right? So we did a call before we did our trip with the group and he really got down to what exactly each person wanted from the trip, right? And, and then he let him know. So we were like, okay, do you want to learn to cat? You know, what, what is your thing? And so, and then when we were on the water, he made sure like, okay, here's the goals, here's the game plan. And he kept going back. So, you know, I think like he is always my, the kind of the epitome of the perfect guide. You know what I mean? And I think and the other thing you guys talked about was, um, you know, Ben, you talked about safe, respectful, you know, how would somebody see that like if you're i'm assuming like if they weren't using guidebook you would kind of maybe google search you know let's just say we're going to missouri guides in the area and then you pick up somebody how would you know if that guide was kind of safe respectful is that just kind of on talking on the phone with them yeah sure intuition is is really valuable anytime you're gonna pay another person to take you out and do something with you i I think intuition is one of our most valuable qualities but I think even past that, that's one of the reasons why reviews are so important to us at Guidebook. If you can read an authentic review of somebody else who did what you're about to do and the the comments they might have about that experience, that can tell you a whole lot 
And then it's, don't be afraid to ask a guide questions too. You know, I think it's really valuable to say, Hey, do you have insurance? Um, <laughs> wait, uh, hey, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you out on the water? It's okay to ask some questions and try to get it, try to get a feeling of, of what it's going to be like while you're out there. And it's also okay to, you know, if you're not happy with the way that the conversation's going to say, Hey, I'm going to look for, for somebody else. And here's why. Gotcha. And how do you guys deal with it? And this is something just the online world. I mean, reviews are you know, important. It's a good way, you know, to kind of get an idea like we're talking about. But how do you, would you deal with, you know, some of the stuff where maybe you get a bad review? Because I mean, I think that I've always thought like reviews are, you know, I almost say like with podcasting, you know, you're not a, you're not really a good a podcaster until you get a one-star review. Because basically that means that there's people that have enough of opinion to reach out and actually say something about it, right? I mean, of course, most, you know, most of them are, you know, you're getting lots of five stars as well and some in the middle. But what's your take on that? Like on say if you do get a bad review and how would you guys deal with that? Let me clarify a little bit. In our review process, we're not asking, hey, rank this guide from a one to a five star because then you don't get a lot of context and you you never know why people feel the way that they feel. So we are asking a lot more questions uh, and then kind of giving that guide an average across those questions. So one of those questions is, did you catch fish? And a lot of people, when they go out and go fishing, they expect to just kill it that day. And that doesn't always happen. And that's not always the guide's fault either. So that's just one of the questions we ask. We also ask, hey, did they respect the environment? I've been out with a guide before. I, I kid you not, Dave, that uh, we were drinking some beer in his boat on a salt trip. And he was like, I just sink those cans down to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, wow. I was like, are you, are you kidding? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so nah, that was insane. But so we're asking respectfully environment, did you enjoy the personality? Were they safe? Did you feel safe on the entire trip? So we're asking a number of questions to try to uh, make clients think through that process. If someone did have a bad experience, though, and that guy got a really bad review, we handle that a couple different ways. Our customer experience department would 100% be in touch with that person, trying to figure out what went wrong, how we can make that right for them, and what else we could do to help them enjoy a trip in the future. And then also our website, the way that we are ranking guides with reviews, we're not doing like an Angie's model list or, or a, Hey, you pay us a certain amount to show up in the results searches somewhere. We're ranking guides based on their reviews. So if you're a good guide and you're putting out good trips out there then you'll be up at the top of the page on search results. And if you got a bunch of bad reviews, you'll be at the bottom of the page and the good guides deserve to be up at the top and, and not have to compete for eyeballs with, uh, some guy that just picked up a boat and takes you out with his leaky boat on a lake somewhere and, and you have experience. So <laughs> struggling to survive the whole day. Right. Gotcha. So you guys do a little bit differently then. So it's not necessarily just the, the star rating, which is kind of cool to think that like, yeah, because there is a lot of problems with the star rating. Right. And I always say, which just for in general, my, my advice is don't read the five star reviews. Don't read the one star reviews, read the three star reviews. And I know this doesn't apply to you guys, but that's just a general tip because those are the people that really, you know, they're not extreme. They probably have a good uh, write-up that they wrote. But so how do you guys do with, um, you know, you've got a guide. Are you guys helping to teach? Let's say you have a younger guy that's doing great, but maybe he's not, doesn't know about balancing expectations, doesn't know to make that call with his client. Do you guys do a little bit of coaching or is it more like you just kind of let them do their thing and then you let the, the reviews speak for themselves? That's a great question. Um, today, you know, every guide on our platform has my cell phone number and <laughs> I get texts quite a bit. And the cool thing about that is I'm building relationships all over the country, um, with really cool people. But, and so, yeah, there has been a fair amount of texting back and forth about different, 
um, scenarios that a guide might face. And and actually, one of our our customer experience director, Alex Parks, is actually a career coach in a former life, and and she you know is awesome at coaching. And so that's in her wheelhouse as well, and and we'll be moving forward. So we're excited about that dynamic. And then in the future, we want to offer um, some educational opportunities through Guidebook as well, where guides, you know, more experienced veteran guides like my buddy Patrick Folkrod in Tennessee might be able to offer a virtual class on many different topics from rowing a drift boat to tying on his special indicator to the ones that I'm really excited about, like how to handle your clients in a, in a respectful way or how to, how to deal with it when somebody has a crisis on your boat, that kind of thing. So yeah, we're excited to connect folks in our community so that they can learn from each other so that they can deepen their understanding of, of how to deal with clients in different markets and, and in different scenarios. Yeah, Dave. And so, so that kind of stuff is a hundred percent on our roadmap. We do want to get to a place where we're offering those educational experiences and, uh, we're not there today, but we've talked to tons of people that think that's really important. Uh, we're excited to be able to offer that in the near future, hopefully. And, uh, if there's anybody out there listening that would like to help contribute to something like that, we'd love to talk to you about how we can get you plugged in and, and helping, uh, to teach both veterans and young guides, uh, different tips on how to run more successful businesses. Amazing. Yeah. And I think like any, like any product, great product or service, it's always a, you're always getting better, right? Do you guys feel that way that, I mean, I know it's, it's early, you know, but you guys are always thinking like, okay, how do we keep making this better and better? Is, is that kind of the, the plan moving ahead and uh, with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. In every way, Stuart and I have both been on a journey over the last few years working on this and it's been eye opening. You don't know what you don't know, right? Until you start something new. And it's been a beautiful experience. It's also been probably the hardest thing both of us have ever done, I would guess, aside from maybe raising kids. But yeah, for sure, we're trying to get better every day. And and I think we're accomplishing it. That's great. Okay. I want to get into a few of like your local area, just because we haven't really dug into Kentucky and maybe highlight some some waters that people maybe you know haven't heard of or maybe have heard of and you know want to learn a little more about it. But uh, so first on the guidebook, anything else you guys want to give a shout out to anything we missed today that just paints that picture of what to expect for people out there? I can't think of anything that we didn't cover. Um, go to guidebookco.com to check it out at some point in the near future and find us on Instagram at guidebook.co to keep up with what we're doing. We're doing a lot of really cool stories and little series and things that people are really enjoying. What's the, um, when people go to guidebook, what is the best action to take is it kind of go there and search for what would you recommend let's just say we're going to i don't know pick a state what is the action what do you guys recommend yeah so there's a couple things you can get in there and mess around all you want to you can search uh you can search by city uh state right now we're building in bodies of water uh you can search by species so if you want to see trips all across the united states where you can go trout fishing or smallmouth bass fishing or musky fishing you can pull those up as well and, and then filter down to the state you want to see after that. So just go play around, look around, have fun. If you do sign up, there's a little sign up button. We want to learn a little bit more about you so that we can help give you a better experience on the site and see what you're interested in and make sure that we are offering what you're interested in or we can go find it to, to give you some options. So I encourage everyone to sign up. Tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can go uh, give you a better experience. Perfect. And what is, and I'm just looking at, yeah, I mean, I just searched for a state and it pulls up, yeah, some uh, some picks. It's got the calendar. It's got day option, anglers, uh, the trip guide. 
and then a little summary of fish species. So yeah, it's it's pretty clean. So I guess you're saying if this looked interesting, you could literally just go right there and book, choose a date if it's open, and they you have all their calendars on the guidebook, right? And that's it's as easy as that. Literally, you can be having your guide saved within a, a few minutes. I was recently on a trip down in Tennessee, a family vacation up in a cabin on a lake. And I was like, man, I want to go fly fishing one day while I'm down here on the Clinch River. Let me go find a guide. We don't have any guides down there. Let me go find somebody. I called around for two days. It took some of those guides 24 hours to get back with me to tell me that they were not available that week. They were all booked out for the next month. I was stupid and waited till the last second. But with guidebook, yeah, you can go look at those guides, see what days they're available, and then book them right there on the spot and not have to go through that whole phone tag scenario and <laughs> the disappointing no, I'm already booked out scenario and maybe call this guy and you can just go see what's what and then book them instantly. Perfect. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's jump into uh, real quick just on, like we said, the area. So what would be you know, what are the bigger, you mentioned one, the Cumberland, what are the big rivers that you guys fish that are the, you know, the hot places that people would know of? The Cumberland River is a big one. As I mentioned, we've got several really great lakes, um, Green River Lake, Olin Lake, Lake Cumberland. Those are all really good for various species, including different kinds of bass and striper and catfish and obviously bluegill, the best fish there is. But then I fish the falls of the Ohio a lot here in Louisville it's kind of a grab bag. You don't know from one day to the next, whether you're going to catch a black drum or a hybrid striped bass or a giant catfish on the fly. And that could be a lot of fun. And then probably our kind of crown jewel, as I mentioned in bourbon country out on the way to Lexington from Louisville, you can encounter a hundred different little smallmouth streams that, that have that limestone Creek bed that also is really good for bourbon. And I won't name very many of them by name, but one that already know about is Elkhorn Creek, which kind of runs right through Frankfurt, our capital. And, um, it's, you know, it's a really good time. There you go. So there's a bunch. So if somebody was heading to heading to Kentucky or driving through or in the area, again, they could go on to the guidebook to check it out. What, where else would you recommend to find out more about these rivers and get more information? What, what sort of resource would you recommend to, is this like Google search or any other tips? Yeah, there's a there's a Trout Unlimited chapter that's that's pretty thorough, the Bluegrass Trout Unlimited chapter. And then the Department of Fish and Wildlife website actually has more information than I would like the, for them to have, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a couple of YouTube channels you can also check out. Kentucky Field is one. They they do a lot around the state. Dave, I'd say another cool partnership that we have going on right now is with a company called On Water, uh, the On Water app. And there are, Kentucky has tons of these cool little streams everywhere. And On Water has a map of all the waterways in the United States, along with public land, private land access. So you can go out and find a really cool little spot, figure out how to access it, and then go jump on the water that way. So that's one of my favorite tools that I'm using right now. That's perfect. Yeah, I think that that's, that's really cool. There's, a, there's new and new. That's the cool thing about the tech is that there's more of these great tools coming out that are making uh, our life easier. You know, it's, it's, it's not just the old map. Although I do love a good paper, you know, the Gazetteer. I do love a, one of those in the car. I still have that, right? You can't get rid of the... Do you guys find that? Do you still have a map in your car? Have you guys gotten rid? Are you all tech? I dropped my map probably back uh, in 2010. I got rid of it. Oh, you did? So you have it. So no map. This is great. This is, and I think I, I have my, maybe it's more for like just historic reminding me of the old days, but that's awesome. Well, how about you, Ben? Are you all digital? 
You know, Dave, this is going to be hard for you to believe, I bet. But three years ago, I didn't even have an iPhone. I, I was a flip phone guy. So in some ways, I am not all tech. Uh, I can appreciate a good paper map. I'm a book guy. You know, I don't actually know a ton about the app world, even though I'm I'm working for right. <laughs> a founded, help founding company that's in the tech world. But um, today, I'm not using very many paper maps in Kentucky, mostly because for the last couple of decades, I've been fishing all over and I'm kind of setting my ways on my spots that I go to. Yeah. I would say, Dave, though, you make it to Kentucky, you got to go do some bourbon tastings at all the different distilleries. They're all on awesome little creeks that feed into probably another awesome creek or river, and they're all full of fish. So go do some bourbon tasting, go grab your fly rod and hit the water. That's right. Yeah, bourbon. So that is that what Kentucky's known most for is there? Well, what's the big company that's out of there with the bourbon? Honestly, all of them. Yeah, they all. <laughs> yeah. Like a, yeah, which what, what's a good bourbon? Give me give me one. Yeah, so Woodford Reserve, Buffalo Trace, all of these big things are from Kentucky. It's really not bourbon unless it's from Kentucky. Right. So bourbon and I'm not a like hard alcohol uh, master, you know, but but uh, the bourbon, so bourbon, yeah, you get that. So that, and it's just really, it is the water. Literally, it comes down to the substrate in the water, which helps to create these bourbons and all that. That's right. Yeah. Same thing that's good for smallmouth is good for bourbon. So perfect. So if you can find a good smallmouth stream, there's going to be some good bourbon around. This is perfect. Good. Well, um, let's start to, we're going to take it out here in a little bit. We've got, um, you know, our winner shout out segment. We've been doing uh, a number of these giveaway events, which have been really awesome. And I'm hoping to, you know, chat more with you guys about some of this coming as well, because I think that um, these have been kind of fun, but we just had one. We recently announced a winner and, uh, and this was for our uh, kind of the Euronymphing school that we're doing. And, uh, and Maurice uh, Waldorf was the winner. So we're going to give a shout out to Maurice for winning that trip. I think it was, I think it was over $6,000 in prizes and he won a trip to do this. Um, and of course this is presented today by uh, the guidebook by you guys and but I want to talk about this because we also have this Driftless giveaway we're doing. I mentioned it a little bit, but we're doing this um, trip up to fish with the uh, you know the Driftless Angler and, uh, and Jason Randall, and we're going to have a small group of people up there. The question for you is, when you look around the country, how does that look? Are you guys planning on how fast can you get around to the entire country, and are you trying to get equal number of guides in all states? Because I know like not all states are created equal. What's your take there? You know, not all states are created equal in, in fly fishing. And so for sure, our, our biggest population of guides uh, is in Florida. And then we've got quite a few in the Pacific Northwest. We've got a lot in the Southeast, probably because we're in the Southeast. Um, and we've got a partnership with Southern Culture on the Fly. I love those guys. Um, they're involved in some of the stuff we're doing in the Southeast. But I would say those are our three hot spots today. But yeah, our plan is to be nationwide and, and to be be there to serve guides all over the place for sure. Yeah. So if somebody's listening now, let's just take it to the the actual, you know, fly angler and he's thinking, Oh man, I'm gonna be going to, you know, just pick the state, Montana or whatever. And maybe they don't have or maybe it's a state where there's not a ton of selection. Would you recommend they reach out to you and say, Hey, have you checked out you know, you know what I mean? Like, is there any sort of that where you want to, you want feedback from actually potential fly anglers and customers? Oh, heck yeah. If you are an angler and you have a good guide out there that you think we need to talk to, please pass them our way. And, uh, on the flip side, if you are looking for a trip somewhere and we don't have it covered and you're looking for a good guide, I can tell you right now that Ben has talked to 
hundreds, if not thousands of guides at this point, and he knows good guides everywhere, whether they're on our platform or not. And he can make sure uh, to help you find an awesome trip if that's the kind of help that you want. I may regret this later, but if anybody's got a, a question or a suggestion, just email ben at guidebookco.com. Good. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that there's probably, you know, we have listeners in every state in the country. We same like you guys, we have some hot spots around, you know, the country for sure. But but yeah, I'm sure there's somebody listening now looking at, on, you know, guidebookco.com uh, and they're like, oh, wow, there's, there's not as much in my state. So that I want to help help them out and help you guys out. Um, so tell me this, and this, Ben, I don't know sure if this is a, a question for you, but this comes up a lot. So gratuities, you know, a tip. What is, so you go on a guide trip with a guide. Describe that. How do you decide, how does that person know what to tip, you know, a guide? Guides, for the most part, depend on those tips um, and plan on those those tips as they make their budget for the year. My typical amount that I tip guides is around 20 to 25%. And I usually don't go lower than that. If a guide has taken me out and worked their butt off all day long, whether we caught fish or didn't, whether we got rained out or didn't, you know, they set aside their day and their time and their effort and their boat maintenance and all of that for me. And so the least I can do is, is give them a gratuity. It's, it's one of those industries where it, where it really is part of, part of the thing you, you need to plan for that. But at the same point, you know, it's up to you. And I certainly have taken folks out and not gotten tipped before. And I don't think it was anything personal. Most guys are not going to take it personally. But if you're aware, most of the time you've had one of the best experiences of your life, something you'll remember forever, um, go ahead and give that guy a tip and, and they'll definitely appreciate it. Yeah. We've got it integrated in the last screen. Oh, for you do? The trip process with guidebook. Yeah. And we'll have suggested amounts for tipping right after your review and you can go ahead and put the tip in on guidebook as well. Yeah. We always suggest that you leave cash and not leave a tip through guidebook, but in case you didn't know that you needed to leave a tip uh, or you don't have cash in your pocket, we do offer a solution for that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So it's a little reminder just that uh, that's good. And I love that you said 25% because I think there's probably lots of people that think maybe 20% is kind of a, a standard sort of thing. So I think that, yeah, if you have an awesome trip, there's no problem putting more than, than, you know, 20 or 25 or even 25%, right? Well, good. So let's go through, we got a couple of little random fun facts and uh, just, you know, random stuff. I would take it out of here. So a couple of these, maybe we talked Kentucky fishing, you know, the one fly, that's always interesting to me, but Stuart, let's go to you with, uh, well, let me just ask you, Stuart, do you ever go by Stu? Do people call you Stu? I get called Stu, Stuart, Jordan, because people get Stuart and Jordan mixed up all the, I get called all kinds of names. Yeah. Stuart, Jordan, right, right, right. And then Jordan, and then now Jordan is, is Jordan. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, you hear a lot of Jordans as first name, but uh, Jordan uh, for your last name is kind of unique or is that unique or is there, are there lots of Jordans? You know, in Kentucky, somehow there are tons of Jordans out here. <laughs> yeah, tons of Jordans. That's right. But you got the stew. So I also have the, you know, Stuart, but, you know, it's spelt differently, you know, than yours. But the cool thing is, is that, yeah, I was Stu for, you know, at the basketball games back in the day in high school. It was like Stu, right? You know, <laughs> so I've kind of, we're on the same page with that. But um, so Kentucky, just tell me this as far as you had to pick one pattern, smallmouth, Stuart. What is that pattern? Uh, I got hooked on the crawfish pattern this past, past summer, man. It was awesome. And, uh, that is what I will take out and try for the first time every time I go. Nice. And yeah, so Ben, let's, let's go to you. Let's first, let's do your top fly. So what's your species, Ben? I, I'm sure you cover everything, but right now, what is the one, what are you guiding for mostly? Mostly trout on the Cumberland, uh, rainbow trout. 
Yeah, so these are rainbows. So rainbow trout. And what, what's your, if you had to pick one, just what's your go-to fly? Like if you had to, I'm not sure if you're nymphing or do a lot of dry flies. Yeah, we do a lot of nymphing. And, and honestly, the Frenchie is like a jig style Frenchie is, is the best fly for the Cumberland, but just because it covers a number of different hatches and it sinks well and, and the fish seem to like it. So good. And are you guys doing uh, like kind of the Euro nymphing stuff or is it kind of like a hybrid? Well, out of the drift boat, I don't Euro nymph as much, but I, I do love Euro nymphing. It's a lot of fun. But like I said before, it's it's a rural area, and Kentucky, as we mentioned, is not necessarily a hot spot for trout fishing. So a lot of the folks I'm taking out are brand new to the sport, and Euro nymphing would be a challenge. So for the most part, we're fishing under indicators and or fishing with streamers, which which is just a blast. Perfect. Perfect. And I guess going back to that, who would be, do you have any more, uh, if we're looking for a smallmouth guide in, in that area, do you have any, uh, any people that come to mind? You know, there are not a ton of smallmouth guides in this area, but one of the guides on our platform that I will shamelessly promote, Matt Martin, and this is a really cool experience that if, if you've never had an experience doing this, you should go up and fish with him. He's actually in Ontario and he's on the Great Lakes. So this time of year, he's fishing steelhead and that kind of thing. But carp and smallmouth are by far his favorite part of his year, his favorite part of the program. And they just have an incredible smallmouth fishery up there in the Great Lakes. So check Matt Martin out, Smooth River Guiding Co. It'd be guidebookco.com slash guide slash Smooth River Guiding Co. And, and uh, you know, give him some business. I fished with him about a month ago or a month and a half, and it was a blast. Good deal. And we're going to skip the fun fact because we already talked about bourbon. That is kind of the... Unless you guys have another uh, fun fact on bourbon in Kentucky, it's probably good enough to know that Kentucky is the home of bourbon. The bourbon capital of the world. Yes, sir. It is. All right. So this is back to vices. And this is a question I used to ask, and I had a listener recently say he wanted to hear this question back. So so your vice, not only the vice you use to tie flies, but a vice that you have in your life, maybe something you've had to give up because it, it's take, you know it's uh, not been a positive thing or maybe been a struggle. What, what, let's start with you, Stuart. I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have any vices now? It could be it could be chocolate. It could be whatever. But uh, do you have any vices or anything maybe in the past you've had to give up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm proud to say this on a, a podcast the size of yours or not, but <laughs> we're from Kentucky and uh, Kentucky historically has been the tobacco capital sure. of the United States as well. So that was something I dabbled around with when I was younger. And I'm proud to say that I have given all that up. It was a real struggle. It's amazing. Is this is this like cigarettes or chew? Probably, I should say both. <laughs> both. Okay. What? T- tell me this because I it was my struggle too. I chewed Copenhagen for twenty years and I and I quit it too. What's your biggest tip on on how you quit it? Because I know it's not easy. Drink a lot of water. I think is one that helped me out. If I ever got a craving, I would just go chug some water and uh, yeah, I think that helped out. I love it. Yeah, that was one for me too. Exercise was another one, right? Lots of water and exercise. Just take your mind off of it. This is good because I know I'm sure there's people out there that are struggling with this. So this is good. All right. So Stuart, you're, you're good there. So Ben, how about you? Do you have one? And it doesn't have to be super you know, extreme, but what do you have there? Yeah. So I don't, I'm not as brave as, as Stuart to <laughs> talk about all of that, but um, I've got a Rinzetti vice, first of all. Okay. And- Fly tying is is definitely a vice of mine. It's something I do a lot and and have to be careful with with three kids and trying to be intentional with time with them. But one of the things that I've worked really hard at over the last few years is just uh, my nutrition and my fitness. I was the kind of guy that grew up on hot pockets and Mountain oh, yeah. Dew, and so I've 
fully transitioned now to like drinking almost all just water and trying to watch what I eat and I do CrossFit and that sort of thing. So Amazing. fitness and nutrition are really important and, and that's a, that's a really hard um, hill to climb most of the time. It is. It's hard for me too. I, I have this, I always have this thing like, okay, I'm going to do four days a week. I'm going to work out and it always turns out to be more like two or maybe three but I, I struggle with that. I think it's, what's your advice on that? What's your tip for making it a regular thing, the exercise and stuff? You know, honestly, it's, it's the same tip I, I have for anybody thinking about starting a business. It's a lot of times doing hard things is good for you. And when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go to work, you don't want to work on a startup that is, is taking a lot of your time and resources and you don't want to work out. You just have to tell yourself to do it anyway. And, and that's been my mantra over the last couple of years. And I think it's probably Stuart's as well. It's, uh, again, a really hard hill to climb to start something new and to do it from the ground up and to try to put your best into it. And I think that that's pretty much across the board for me right now. Sometimes I fail and sometimes I succeed. And as long as I'm doing something and trying a little bit. That's right. Make it a habit and all that. Awesome. And I think that it's funny because like you said, the hot pockets, you know, it's, I won't say it's quite as bad as tobacco, but you know, definitely it's all that adds up, right? It's, it's not good. Okay. Well, well, we took our, our track down the random, the random road here. I, I got one more and this is another one I love. We'll take it out of here with this one is on music, you know, music or podcasts, right? Do you guys listen when you're on a road, a road trip? Are you listening to more podcasts or more music? I actually listen to audiobooks more than anything else, not to throw a wrench in the wheel there. Oh, yeah. But- I was a literature major in, in college and have a master's degree in it. And I still dabble in, in literature. So when I'm driving, I try to make use of that time and listen to a book or two. There you go. No, I love the books and you just use it through the, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's your app that you use there? I, most of the time, Audible. Yeah, just Audible. Yeah, me too. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. No, I think the Audible, I think the, you know, no, taking nothing to get away from podcasts. I think there's enough room for uh, audiobooks and podcasting, which is cool. And then, uh, and then Stuart, are you more podcasts or music? I love podcasts, especially on a long road trip. I, I don't listen to them every day driving around town, but if I go on a long trip, a couple hours in the car, uh, my go-to right now, if he's got a new episode available is uh, hardcore history with oh. Dan Carlin. Oh yeah. I love history stuff and learning or hearing about other people's experiences and different world events and uh and the shape of the world i think that stuff is super interesting yeah me too do you ever dig into the deep some of the darker stuff of the world history because i love history too i love it all sometimes i find myself delving down a trail that i'm like oh wow this is probably not a good chunk of our our history but do you ever go down that or is it more what do you like to listen to oh yeah i mean the especially dan carlin stuff that the same guy just said he's he goes into like the deep and dark gritty parts of world war one or yeah, the mongolian right uh invasion of europe and uh, man it's just uh and then after you listen to it you go read on your own and my wife calls them i think everyone calls them rabbit holes and she says i get sucked in those all the time just reading a little bit more learning a little bit more and the crazy places that takes you to so yeah good awesome guys well i always love to go down that track uh you know the random track so we got we got a few of those in um so I think we can leave it there for now. We're obviously going to be following up with you guys as we move forward and we'll get some more uh, tips and tricks on all this stuff we talked about today. But um, we'll send everybody out to guidebookco.com if they have questions or if they want to find a guide in their you know, their area, wherever that trip is going to take them. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for you guys coming on here and sharing the story and excited to keep in touch with you. Hey, we appreciate the opportunity, Dave. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. 
that's a wrap. There we go. You can check in with guidebookco.com right now and take a look, just test it out, see if they have. We talked a lot about the states. See if they're in your state right now. And if they aren't, you can give them a heads up and let them know who you would recommend. Please check out our school events. You can go right now to wetflyswing.com slash school. And, uh, and I want to highlight one that's active right now, the Driftlist Dry Fly School. It's going on right now. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash giveaway and enter for a trip to head out to the Driftless uh, region of this country and fish with uh, some of the best guides in that area. we got the Driftless Angler. Uh, we're going to be fishing with Jason. So this is going to be a big one. I'm going to get out of here because I've got some more uh, more content to, uh, to kick out here. So I'm just going to thank you that you uh, stuck around today and hope you have a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever in the world you are, and look forward to talking to you soon. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.